Hi, friends. Welcome to the By Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Hoover, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week this season, I'm talking with a guest about how they are pursuing devotion to God by fighting sin and learning to delight in Him. Through their stories, we are learning how we too can fight for wholehearted allegiance to King Jesus. Friends, there is joy that comes to us through allegiance to Jesus, and this allegiance is what my new book, With All Your Heart, is all about. Our hearts were made for unswaying allegiance to a king and a kingdom, a concept that Jesus talked about more than any other. Yet every day, the false kings of anxiety, approval, comfort, image, escape, power, self-sufficiency, and shame plot to reign over our hearts instead. Their lies about the true king are so subtle and insidious that we rarely recognize them, and we go on living with divided loyalties that stall our spiritual growth and infect our relationships. If you want to find freedom from the forces vying for your heart, let me equip you for the fight. In this heart check kind of book with all your heart, I will help you root out your own misplaced allegiances so that you can live holy as a subject of the King who made and redeemed you. And if you pre-order, you get a free study guide so that you can fight your allegiances with the women in your life. So grab a copy of With All Your Heart at the link in the show notes or find out more on my website, christinehoover.net. This episode is sponsored by The Good Book Company, publishers of The Garden, The Curtain, and The Cross. This beautiful hardback Bible storybook for children aged three to six takes them on a journey from the Garden of Eden to God's perfect new creation. Children will learn that Jesus breaks down the barrier of sin between us and God so that we can enjoy Him forever. Now available in 2020 is an Easter family devotional. Pick up a copy at thegoodbook.com or wherever good books are sold. This episode is also sponsored by B&H Publishers, publishers of A Holy Pursuit by Diane Jago. As Christians, what should we do with our big dreams? How does the culture of chasing our dreams and seeking to be who God has called us to be converge? Should we run after opportunities or completely sacrifice them? In A Holy Pursuit, Diane Jago, creator of Deeply Rooted Magazine, explores just that. The gospel frees us to follow, pause, or lay down our dreams as people intent to rightly follow and abide in God. Learn more at aholypursuitbook.com. Okay, friends, let's get to the show. Today, my guest is Rebecca Lyons. Rebecca has battled anxiety and panic disorder for many years, and through that, she's learned and implemented in her own life what she calls rhythms of renewal, practical things that are available to each of us and that God has woven into the fabric of life to help us stave off the anxiety that is rampant in our culture and in our lives. Today, Rebecca walks us through the four main rhythms of her life. We recorded this in December, so she mentions the Christmas season and Advent. But as you'll hear Rebecca say today, it is never too late to make changes in your life that are good for your body, soul, and spirit. Here, friends, is my conversation with Rebecca Lyons. Thanks, Rebecca, for joining me on By Faith. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited, too, to get to talk to you about your your new book. But first, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you and your family. Oh, sure. Uh, Good grief. I have (laughs) three kids that are in high school and one in kindergarten. So we are in the full stop of parenting, vocation, my husband and I. 
it's been wonderful. It's been a crazy year because we brought a little one home from China a year ago. So it's been quite an adjustment for our family. And, um, but I, and I released a book, I guess, two months ago, but the beauty is I had done most of the writing before I went to bring her home. So it was more editing this spring and I slowed significantly on speaking. So usually when I write a book, I teach on it and that can last for a couple of years. And, um, but I slowed that this spring, which allowed for some just time to connect with her and then kind of ramp this fall. But it's like anything when you, when you have vocation and you have motherhood, it requires quite a delicate dance. And that's, that's kind of, that's where I'm at. And, um, I'm just grateful. Yeah. I've been following along on your Instagram when you brought your little girl home. She is the cutest. Thank you. She's fun. She's a joy bomb. We named her Joy. And um, my message in most of my books is really around the area of purpose, of mental health. And because I walked through panic disorder and, and some anxiety and some depression in the year of 2010 and 11, I always kept saying, um, in pr- uh, whispering prayers like restore to me the joy of my salvation and just knowing that there was this promise in scripture that when we walk through hard things that on the other side of that there is joy there's fullness of joy so um, so that's why we named her joy so oh, it's been so really cool. sweet to kind of see that actually happen and see her be um, a joy bomb that she yeah. invade, invaded our home. <laughs> she seems just from, you know, pictures and videos, she seems to match her name quite well. Oh, she does. Uh, she does like, and it's, she's not pretending it's full, full, <laughs> fully who she is. It's amazing. Oh, I love that. Well, you mentioned your, your struggle with panic disorder and I have read your, your very first book called free fall to fly. And you kind of, you talk about that, that it started with, I guess it started, or at least you mm-hmm. felt it more deeply mm-hmm. when you were in New York city. So mm-hmm. can you just kind of maybe give some background to listeners who might not know that part of your story because your new book is related to that as well? Yes. Yes. Okay. So free fall really chronicled that crash and burn. Um, Moving to the New York City from the suburbs of the South, we sold 75% of what we owned and left our friends and family that we've lived for 13 years. And because of our work, um, which is all about like convening people who are on the front lines of culture um, from a lens of faith, so many of those people would come through New York. And it just felt like, let's just go where the people that we're trying to serve live or come through a lot. And it seemed to make logical sense, but it was also terrifying because at the time we moved there when my kids were four, seven, and nine. And my oldest son, Cade has down syndrome. And so he, you know, probably had the hardest transition with it just as did I, just because, you know, no longer was he riding to school in the minivan. He had to get up and walk a lot and a lot and a lot. And, um, and we were so green it just navigating the city, um, 8 million people in the span of 11 miles. And just within about four months being there, I had my first panic attack. And I think it was partly due to it being a pressure cooker that pushed those things to the surface, but also, um, I was in a midlife reset. You know, my youngest daughter was beginning kindergarten and I realized for a decade I'd been home full time and I was trying to navigate what, who I was beyond the bounds of motherhood again, who was Rebecca before babies? Is she still there? What is she, what is she passionate about? Yeah. And just trying to figure that out as my kids were growing in independence, that meant I was also growing in independence 
again as an adult and just trying to navigate how what would faithfulness look like um, to to hold those two things in tension of motherhood and vocation. And I believe even in that time, the motherhood conversation, like the working mom conversation got so loud in mm. culture. Uh, there was a lot of opinions about it, a lot about can you really have it all? And I just, I think in the end, I understand that the existential crisis of does my life matter? Does it have significance? Do I have purpose? Um, I now understand how much that question is linked to our mental health uh, because so mm. often we spin out when we feel feelings of purposelessness or insignificance or, or that, that we just don't contribute something somewhere. And so as I'm trying to go like, does my life matter? I'm spinning out. And the craziest thing is that when a healing journey began about a year later, uh, I found my voice and I started to write articles like why are women fading and talking a lot about mental health and one conversation at a time, one essay at a time, one article at a time, slowly just evolved into a book contract and, and then just starting to share this idea because it was really at the same point that this idea of mental health became a public conversation, especially in the church. It was just emerging. I was very early. I remember then for me to say anxiety or depression or, or mental health, or should say panic disorder in 2010 in the church space. Um, I wrote an article for CNN literally right the day my first book came out with zero following, but it was just because the topic was so um, up and coming. And it was the week that Matthew Warren committed suicide. Mm. Um, and so it just blew up. And, and the topic was, let's stop keeping mental illness a secret. Because you cannot heal what is hidden. And you cannot um, actually find recovery when you're covered in shame. Like you're not supposed to actually struggle because you love God. And so I, I think God leveraged that book and that story and that message, message in a time that I would have never chosen. But now looking back, I'm really grateful because I think it was part of the catalyst for a larger conversation that the church is now mainstream. Um, because the more you talk about things, the more you come around them, the more resources that are out there. I'm so grateful to have had a decade now of walking this out. It's not like, oh, I just had this happen for the first time yesterday. I understand now what relapse means. I understand what rhythms are about, why we need to be very intentional and vigilant almost on putting these spiritual disciplines in our lives because God knows what our bodies need. Um, he made us, he knows what our bodies need and uses all means necessary for our healing. And so that really is the message of this third book is going, not only do you like believe in full faith that God is a healer, you actually do the principles that he invites you into because mm. he dwells in the rest. He dwells in restore. He dwells in connection and he dwells in creation. And he invites us to join him there. And when we remain with him, our joy is complete. And so that's this book for me is now this third book is the end of the anxiety trilogy. Possibly <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be happy if, if it was. I don't feel like it's a conversation that's going away, but I do think right. like any tension of our time, it has kind of a, a tipping point and part of the ability for something to tip over is that there starts to be a consensus that, Hey, medication in its own is not enough or talk therapy in its own is not enough or 
pragmatic health and diet nutrition in its own is not enough. Like all these things are a holistic picture for our good. And I do think that God, that faith for me is such a huge vital part of that, that the Lord is allowing this message now to reach mainstream. Like the book is on all major media and it's in, it's going to be in tar, all the targets in January and Walmarts and Costco, because again, people are, I think people are just at a point of going, Hey, I might even try God yeah. <laughs> in this recovery process. Um, because my, I was very intentional in this third book to have science and faith come together, yeah, not replace one for the other, but to see that that they actually complement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That when we when we have chemical imbalances in our brain, God actually already put some things in place that He invites us into that adjust those chemical imbalances naturally. And so, all this is again an approach for us to not be crippled, but to walk in healing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's. You mentioned the the new book and these rhythms, and it's actually called Rhythms of Renewal. And you use four kind of categories, and you give a lot of uh, practical steps and practical things within those categories. But can you let's just talk through each one because you said these are things that God gives us that we can implement, and we have to be intentional to implement in our lives. And the first one is rest, and you start with rest. Mm-hmm. So, can you talk yeah. about that one? Yeah. Yeah, I start with rest because 77% of our society is experiencing physical symptoms of stress. So if almost four out of five of us feel a racing mind, a shallow breathing, sleepless nights, uh, um, just all those reasons are because we cannot rest. We we are restless because we rest less. That's, mm. that's, the, that's the premise. And that you cannot run to earn rest. You run fueled from a posture of rest. So I always begin with rest because I, I, I know God created the earth and then he rested and then he blessed that day. And I believe that rest precedes blessing. I think so often we just think it reminds us we're not God. It reminds us that we need to stop and that Sabbath is important and we keep it holy. Um, part of this is out of submission to our frailty and knowing that, that, that there is a power beyond us that is actually fueling all the work that we do. So I look at my work week as Sabbath Sunday being the first day. So I, I start my week from rest. Monday is not the first day of the week for you. me. Monday is like once I've actually postured and I've been revived, um, even, you know, as the Hebrew culture would indicate, they, they begin Sabbath Friday night, goes to Saturday night. And then Sunday, you know, Sunday is still kind of a little bit of a slowing. They, 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 they've maximized the weekend, can mm-hmm. we say, right? And, and so I'm, I'm trying to take that posture more myself in not only just taking Sabbath seriously, but taking the weekend seriously. Mm. I actually have a, a work schedule that requires me to travel and teach often on a Friday, Saturdays. So I make sure I make up for that later in the week um, so that I'm still getting that that same amount of two full days of exhale um, with no work, <laughs> no work, no social media, no nothing. Um, because I find that my creativity is strengthened, my my endurance um, and my, my mental state and livelihood and positivity is all contingent on rest. Mm. So I begin with rest because we just need permission to rest, um, because it's actually going to make the other three rhythms far more fruitful. And so the book is designed that each rhythm would build on each other. Mm. And the second one is restore. So what do you mean by that? What are ways to restore? Yeah. Restore is physical. So rest is spiritual. 
spiritual health restores physical health. So rest again is your inner life and then, and then restores your active life. So it's all about diet and exercise and, um, food for fuel, um, routines for deep sleep. Morning routine is in rest. And then it talks about in, in restore, taking a walk, you know, using the workout pants for actual workout, like raising those <laughs> serotonin levels in your body, um, seeking adventure, putting new thoughts and ideas in front of you that stimulate that creativity. So it's all about input. The yeah. first two rhythms are input rhythms. It's like what you eat, how you move, how you play. I do a whole chapter on permission to play because play and control cannot coexist. And we as adults have lost our permission to play. And it's just all about just like, Hey, you know, get back to, um, all the burdens that you're just constantly trying to solve and just receive, just let yourself receive because when you stop trying to fix something and just be fixed yourself, like just be restored and revitalized, you come back at those output rhythms of connect and create with so much more energy and positivity mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it's not seen as overwhelming or daunting. It's actually fun. It's energizing. Yeah. Yeah. I can, yeah. As you're saying this, it makes so much sense, but yet it's so hard for us to do these things in our actual lives. We start with the end, which is the connect and the create. And then we hope somehow the input's going to come, but we're not always intentional about it. So I love how you started there. But then the third rhythm is the connect piece. And that's more of the output, as you said. So what, Mm -hmm. talk about the connection part. Well, so again, since they build on each other, if your inner life is okay, and then your physical life is energized. So you feel positive and you have energy, then you're ready to go out and be like, where's my people? Yeah. (laughs) Who are they? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I invest? Because I'm operating from an overflow. I'm operating from an abundant mentality, not scarcity. And so as a result, when I go into work, I'm like looking at what the other person needs and you're just coming at um, relationships with energy and pursuit and selflessness and intimacy and vulnerability and all those things. So the chapters in the connect rhythm, I do seven chapters for each rhythm. I talk about friendship, vulnerability, hospitality, conflict resolution, marriage, parenting, um, all the things that, um, forgiveness, all the things that require us to initiate in relationship with someone else. Um, it doesn't mean that you can like bring back the person who rejected you and try to restore that, but you can forgive and you bless. Um, and sometimes those things are quite heartbreaking and hard to lay down, but I think that's also part of our leading with vulnerability so that we can find healing. And so the connect rhythm, I think, is vital because we are facing a loneliness epidemic societally as well. Not only are four or five of us feeling physical symptoms of stress, we've got, um, let's see, 46% have high feelings of loneliness and 27% don't believe they have a real friend. And this basically leads to an epidemic um, that is propelled by the digital revolution, right? Everything's filtered through a screen. So we've lost what it means to be human, to make eye contact, to embrace, to hold an embrace, which releases oxytocin that gives you feelings of connection and belonging. You know, these are just back to the basics of going, we feel like the lie is that we're better off alone because we're too much or not enough. And the truth is, only in community can you walk through healing journey. You can't can't actually be healed in isolation. You have to go through that in connection with other people. 
because we learn so much about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, We're communal people made by a communal God. And so we actually aren't going to be fulfilled. Just like we're not going to be fulfilled in the create rhythm if we don't have purpose. We're not going to be fulfilled in the connect rhythm if we don't have relationships. Yeah. And so it's a real, that's why I start with relationships before create, because usually once you have relationships in place, those relationships are fueled by collaboration and then in work and vocation, you know, it's a lot more fun to do what you love with the people you love than do what you love in isolation. Cause in the end, it still won't satisfy. There's something there that still needs people and you need to live life alongside people. People think that writing is solitary sport, but quite frankly, I have an editorial team of like five people that sharpen me that, that kind of just, pull the best out of me that I actually get energized hearing their thoughts and their intellect. And then you've got marketing, you know, you've got a whole team of people that actually make the work fun. And in the end, um, I might not be friends with all everybody who reads these books, but I'm, I am friends, personal friends with all the people who help me create them. And that actually is very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. So you kind of stepped already into the fourth rhythm, which is create, which honestly is most intriguing to me that you mm-hmm. say, I guess you're connecting it with purpose. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Being a purpose. It's all about yeah, vocation. So, so connect is all about relational health. And then the final one create is vocational health. And I, the reason all four are holistic is you literally can't leave one behind mm-hmm. um, or you'll be off balance. You'll be kind of, you'll start to spin out because you'll make something a priority over something else. Now, granted, everyone does have a healthiest rhythm that's most effortless for them that comes most naturally. And you're probably really operating, operating, functioning well in that. But if you're killing it in vocation and your work, and you actually haven't talked to a, a friend, you don't have, you have very friend, few friends that are not transactional, then, you know, it's still going to be very lonely. It's going to mm-hmm. be very discouraging ultimately. Um, so vocation to me is all about what are the gifts and talents, the burdens, that God has trusted to you to offer the world. And that when you're operating at capacity on rest, restore, and connect, that is the overflow. Like that actually just becomes the natural byproduct is that you create things. You just, you can't not. Uh, when you're in survival mode over here, you're not creating stuff. But when you've been filled in rest, restore, and connect, then all of a sudden the creating just happens. It's, it just becomes a natural byproduct. I, I think create is the second thing. It's like we have first things and we have second things, but you can't get the second things if you haven't pursued the first. But the problem is so many of us go, they want the results. They, yeah. want, the, they want the public thing. They want the achievement. They want the recognition. So they're chasing that, but they never had a foundation of the other three rhythms, which leaves the fourth thing burnout. Mm. Like you can create, 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 and ultimately you burn out because even God commands the land to rest every seven years, like for a whole year, (laughs) you know? So I think if we can just get back to the building blocks, um, the create would just be a natural thing and it would find flourishing, would find success um, because we didn't neglect the the relationships that are for our, um, our mental health. We didn't neglect our bodies you know, and taking care of them so that they would have an endurance and we didn't neglect our own soul, right? Gain the world and lose your soul. We didn't, we didn't forget who we are before God and before the people who are most intimate to us. And so I have just learned in my life, like, do not get it out of order. I could be tempted to create all day long 
because I'm actually operating from a wound that needs public affection. And yet God has always said to me, like public affection cannot heal private rejection. And sometimes we are propelled to prove something to the world to just make sure, make us feel like things are okay. But the truth is when you are living in these rhythms in order, um, building upon one another, um, you actually are okay if create just comes when it comes. You're not barreling through doors that are shutting. You're trusting, you're resting, you're receiving. And then all of a sudden, God will take something and kind of throw it somewhere. And you're Mm -hmm. like, wow, that's amazing. I didn't see that coming. That's, I couldn't have done that Mm -hmm. no matter how many times I tried or how hard I worked. Yeah. So is that where you continue to, to have to fight is against jumping to the create before other things? No, actually I launched this book. I launched this book and it was full stop create for the last, you know, three months. I mean, I created for the last couple of years, but then I kind of rested all the first part of this year with joy. And then this has been kind of pushing season. And now I'm, I just finished my last speaking event for the year and I get six weeks at home and I could not be more excited. Um, because I actually think God makes us to actually operate in rhythm. And we're not, when we're not working from wounds, we almost have the desires he has for us. Like they're more in alignment. So I think Advent is, is, is the opposite of creating. Advent is about waiting. Advent is about expecting um, and longing for a savior and for redemption and for a new kingdom. So I'm, it's Christmas and it's, you, it used to be a decade ago, like so stressful for me, but now I'm just like, Hey, if I can't do this with gladness, we're just going to keep paring back (laughs) what Christmas looks like, because I need this, um, renewal. I need this, this to be a season of receiving because it's winter, right? We're entering winter, which is about dormancy. It's about more sleep. Our bodies actually be more sleep in the winter. It's about like longer, shorter days, longer nights, just more, just hibernation. Yeah. Um, And it's all because there's a lot that God's doing below the surface, just in creation, just like he's doing for us. We can trust him that when spring comes, new life will follow. And um, we will be so much more ready for that when we've been patient in the waiting, going deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So last question, it's people are listening. That's, you just said a lot of really, really good things. And they may be thinking, I'm not doing any of those rhythms. So what would you say to somebody who is, they are struggling with anxiety are just run, run, run. What would you say is the first step for them? Yeah. Well, the way I begin the book is is rest. So it's like, um, so the first chapter, I I would say, please get the book because it's such an easy read. It's short chapters on each rhythm. It's going to kind of, it's the best thing to start, I think, with a new year of rhythms, Mm -hmm. in fact. Um, So I would just say it'll be in all the targets, like January 1, go grab one there, or you can get one in the meantime on Amazon if you want to get reading. Um, but it's, it's, for me, the first chapter of the book is take inventory of your life. It's take, answer four questions. What's right, what's wrong, what's confused, and what's missing. Because all you might know about yourself right now is that I feel anxious. But you don't even know why. And mm-hmm. you don't even know, you don't know what you're running from. And mm-hmm. you don't know what you're looking for. And so if you don't just pause, like take a serious pause. Now, I'm not talking like 15 minutes on your way to yoga. I'd say like take an extended couple days. The holidays might be a good time for that, might be hard, but I would find something between Christmas and the new year even to just get real honest um, with the book and the questions in the back of each chapter. Because 
if you start to name what's right, what's wrong, what's confused and what's missing, um, then you'll have a game plan. Um, and the book will walk you through what that is. And in fact, if you want to do a real quick online quiz, um, at rebeccalines.com quiz, you'll find, it's just a 40, 40 questions, five minutes, multiple choice. It'll tell you what your healthiest rhythm is. Hmm. And so you'll already know what's right. <laughs> That'll answer your first question. Um, and then it'll tell you where you're low and it'll give you some tips, just practical tips on those other three rhythms to strengthen them. But again, I think part of healing, you can't heal what is hidden. So part of healing um, the first step is to like expose the things so that you can, you make a plan and work the plan, but you can't do that until you actually know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And only you can truly answer that, um, honestly. And so some people don't actually want to go there because they, they're too afraid of what they'll uncover. Yeah, it's, it's actually painful, but it's not because it's empowering. Mm -hmm. And, um, you'll find like, wow, that wasn't as hard as I thought. And you'll actually get to process that with the people you know the best or love that know you. And I think it'll actually stimulate a lot of new conversation of self-discovery that, hey, it's a new decade. Why not? Why not just go like, this is going to be 2020. It's going to kick off as a decade of change, of transformation that came with me just actually being able to own where I was and actually create some real practical steps for a new way of living, for reestablishing my life. And so the, the quote with the book is, it's never too late to reestablish what you want your life to be about. So it doesn't matter what age you are, um, how young, how old, if you are feeling like there are some things that are wrong and they're confused or that are missing, um, there is no better time than in this season, I think, to start to figure that out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. I can't yes, wait to dive absolutely. into the book. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited and I'm grateful to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. Rebecca's book is a super practical tool for helping you take inventory of your life. Again, it's called Rhythms of Renewal, and I highly recommend you grab a copy. While you're there on Amazon or wherever you buy books, go ahead and pre-order a copy of my new book, With All Your Heart, because it releases next week. Yay, I can't wait to share with you the message of this book. Friends, join me next week for a conversation with Callie Nixon. We talk about things that we rarely hear talked about anywhere, an addiction to lust. Callie goes there and what she shares is so helpful and so practical that no matter what your struggles are, you will be encouraged and helped. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, friends, have a great week and keep walking forward by faith.